Al, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that, or if you had anything else in mind. I wasn't listening, just in case. Say it all again <laughs> from the start. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve, and you know everything. <laughs> and I'm Brett. There we go. Uh, and this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the shop bought Saffron Man. Saffron Man. Uh, Gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? What's everyone up to? Brett. Oh, I get to go first. Hooray. I wrote it down, Steve. I'm getting better at this. Well done, you. I'm going to write it down now whilst you talk. Hooray. Uh, so I had commented about doing some extra work for John, uh, Fossil Man John up in Monterey. And I threw together a little video to show off the product that um, his research team had created. And I sent that off. It was kind of nice to do what was effectively a freelance gig um, and really be able to turn it out quickly because I didn't have to build the thing and all I had to do was edit the footage and make it look nice. So <laughs> felt like a win. Uh, I then went to Ryan's, Mr. Ryan Drobots, and uh, delivered some materials that we had had. Steve, we spark tested and etch tested that big chain link that I had. Yeah. It is not wrought iron, unfortunately. Oh, oh, but Ooh. it turns out we tested it uh, next to a few known steels, like um, hammer steels and whatnot. And there's yeah. a really, really high chance that it's something like 1045, 1050. Nice. Because those thicker chains are made with a hardenable steel most of the time. Yeah. So still might end up with, uh, you know, like 400 pounds of <laughs> hammer making steel. So... <laughs> That's a plus. Uh, while I was over there, though, um, or I guess on the way, I chatted with you guys about my adventure day because I so wanted to join in on car talk so that we could <laughs> all just discuss all the things we were doing with our vehicles. Um, started getting some really funny noises on the way over to the cabin to pick up materials. Got to Ryan's. Ryan is definitely one of those guys who knows a thing or two about a thing or two, especially when it comes to automotive. Um, so being as hot as it is during the middle of the day, I kind of parked the truck and we tried to work on the, um, we tried to work in the forge a little bit and then we took a little break and he came out and checked the brakes and calipers and things like that. Just running his hand on the inside only to realize that the, the brake pads and the brake rotors were probably not doing so well. And I don't remember the last time they'd been serviced. Uh, I thought they had done it last time I took it in. So a couple hours later, after a bunch of back and forth and to the auto parts store, we got all the front end stuff taken off and realized that the rotors and pads on the right side were just metal on metal. And I sent you guys <laughs> the photo, but it was beyond, beyond the whole like, oh, you should have heard this coming. I didn't yeah. hear anything until it that morning. It, it wasn't just metal on metal. It was metal on metal, like a good five mil of <laughs> each piece. Yeah, it was, so that's what that noise is. Yeah. Yeah. And, you and know, Steve even said, was on fire. Yeah. Steve even replied with the whole, like, oh, I bet that's been a bother for a while. Didn't yeah. hear, didn't hear a single noise. <laughs> Did that whole 18 hour drive, you know, back and forth to John's. Not a single Steve, thing. 
you spent the entire team with fucking that uh, team and spent the entire drive with fucking Taylor Swift up full volume, singing along to fucking show tunes and Look, didn't hear the engine. You don't need to tell our minimal <laughs> audience about my Taylor Swift affinity. There's um, nothing wrong with a bit of Tay Tay. <laughs> I actually, that was when I was trying to listen to Ready Player Two again to see if it was <laughs> had gotten better with age. It hasn't. It, it hasn't. No. No. Uh, so you know, it took until two o'clock in the morning. I think I got back to make a ranch at two a.m. Big thanks to Ryan for helping because it took way too long uh, to sort everything out because it had been like rusted and locked up. So of course, trying to remove parts that were basically. Uh, yeah. friction welded on you know not so great yeah it's always fun yeah but anyway uh had a nice little meeting with our friend once upon a workbench mr donovan uh i should be helping him with a project well it's pretty locked in at this point i have to help him with a bit of forged hardware for a project he's working on i'll go into more detail on that um as he kind of talks about it i'm not sure if yeah. he's keeping it secret um i am working on my next project, I had to go for a little bit of an idea session over the last few days just uh, to various antique stores and, and big box stores uh, to come up with a lighting solution. I want to put some lights on the, they would be the insides of the doors of my shop, but when I open it to be able to use the deck space, I wanted some lighting out there and I really want to try and use solar. So yeah. got on Amazon, bought uh, a really affordable solar panel with two lights and like its own little battery backup super super cheap right because it's just it's ready made you're effectively just paying the money for the panel yeah. and some like cheap led pendant lights and of course when i get it you know everything's made of garbage material aside from the wiring and the solar panel so the plan is to build everything else to to make this system look nice yeah. with some pre-bought stuff that I'm obviously not going to try and hook up a LED system and do all that stuff myself. Not my forte, uh, but I should be able to like get the rest of the material and the parts today and then hopefully work on it. And it's a bit warm out and I'm not sure if I'm really that keen on going over and forging because every time I've tried to do that when it's 95 degrees outside, I've ended up with the spins pretty heavy. 95 so. degrees? That's 30. What is that? 34? It's fucking hot. Yeah, it's fucking hot. Uh, so thought maybe we could discuss that, but I want to hear what you boys are up to and have been up to. Uh, yeah, no, that that uh, the I mean the fucking break rotor thing was ridiculous. <laughs> it was so um, bad. But we'll we'll bore you about that later. Uh, Al, what about you? What have you been up? Brett, to? I may have to bend your ear on solar panels, and um, when you know kind of what you need and get a plan. Oh, so you'd be so proud of me. I actually cracked open the box yesterday and looked at the wiring and was like, I <laughs> could redo this. Do, I could totally redo this. <laughs> um, yeah, because that, that is on the plan for the for the van. So I, I'll have to send you a picture of the circuit board because it's actually it's it's beautiful. It's very minimal, <laughs> but every single wire is actually labeled to the the soldering connection where it's like, yeah. this is to the solar panel. Oh, nice. This is to the switch. I was like, I've awesome. never seen one like this. It's beautiful. Oh, anyway, so we know on. that everything was garbage and you're going to have to replace it. So yeah, <laughs> they planned ahead. I like that. There you go. I think my, my favorite uh, circuit board like that is the one that's got it printed on. Uh, if you're reading this, you voided the warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Just printed on the circuit board. Brilliant. There you go. Nice. 
Um, talking of brake rotors, um, <laughs> if anyone <laughs> was fortunate, unfortunate enough to catch the um, the virtually crafty live uh, festival that was on Saturday, um, you may have seen me <laughs> more <laughs> haphazardly than usual um, trying to build a, a smoker in an hour. Um, turns out it can't be done. <laughs> Even with zero preparation, you can't build a smoker in an hour. Um, my brother had the the best of laughs and sent me a bunch <laughs> of messages about it. He was watching you. We did. Um, I mean, there was smoke by the yeah. end of the hour, so uh, technically it was a smoker. But um, <laughs> yeah, so Saturday had the um, Saturday morning anyway had the uh, the, the live YouTube stream uh, for the virtual yeah. craft festival, which was good fun. Um, and then that led on to um, I've had a bit of a mixed bag this week. So uh, after that. Um, Steve, you talked about about Chris on the podcast um, a while back, and Jim's Forge down at um, Anvil Art. Yes, um, yes, so, yeah. So, so this weekend was was kind of the m- memorial of, of Chris's passing. Um, so we we all went down to the Forge and had a hammer in and drank some beers in memory of uh, of Chris, um, which is really nice. Got to meet some even more blacksmiths because I don't have enough blacksmiths in my life, <laughs> um, and just had a really nice evening in a field drinking Guinness and and um, yeah smelling coke burn uh, which is great <laughs> um rewind 24 hours uh and unfortunately i found out that my friend passed um on friday um, oh, no. so again it was another one of those kind of double-edged swords where we all knew it was coming at some point yeah. he knew it was coming um and he's obviously been suffering and yeah Probably for the best, um, yeah. if that's a, a horrible thing to say. But, you know, I, I said it last week on the podcast, he's lived a hell of a life. Yeah. Um, more than five lives of an average man. So yeah. uh, he's certainly not missed out. And he was smoking cigarettes till the very last minute. So <laughs> he, went, he went out how he wanted to, um, yeah, which I guess is... is um, so you can ask for really. Yeah, it's, it's something to kind of hold on to. And is this the gentleman across the street? Yeah, Dave across the road. So yeah, um, I'm sorry to hear, but that's okay, dude. I think I think the fact that he was still with it to the end, yeah. and he knew what was going on, and he was very kind of relaxed and just kind of bring it on kind of thing. Yeah, I think made it a lot easier for everyone else. Um, and his his wife now. Um, you know, had some good conversations with her. She she's a nurse, so she's obviously been around this kind of thing a lot. Yeah. Um, and and again, has seen this coming for a long time. So it's I think it was a lot easier than just some weird freak passing of somebody. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's again been very strange. The whole neighborhood got together. Um, there's a guy down the road who brews beer, and within sort of five or six hours of us getting the news, he'd brewed. Well, he'd bottled and labeled a beer in Dave's honor. That's and so amazing. everyone had a bottle delivered on the doorstep, like a milkman. Yeah. Um, so I've got it in the fridge chili and I think we're all going to crack one open and, and sort of celebrate um, at some point. But I thought it was nice. just a really nice touch. So yeah. yeah, it's been up and down this week, um, but mostly kind of heading up just yeah. with, with, the, with positive memories of people um, nice. and positive sort of, I hate to use the, the C word, Steve, but community kind of get togethers <laughs> and, and sort of, Using creativity as a way to um, yeah. remember people, which, yeah. which I think is great that these people have all been remembered for the great things that they make and the things that they do, and and also getting people together. Like yeah. I now know these people because of these people, 
yeah. you know, and I know Jim and I know all Jim's crazy mates now because of yeah <laughs> because of these people. So yeah. Well, End of the week on a high. Yeah. Oh, and the... just one last thing. It's the MOT tomorrow morning. So I've been all day on my back yes. trying to fix up and make the final repairs. Um so hopefully again that will be some more good news <laughs> <laughs> to put a, a light, shed a light on this week. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Because I thought the MOT was gonna be on Saturday. Yeah, um, they were they were closed. Apparently uh, they had forgotten about the um the bank holiday weekend and <laughs> all, all the times and stuff on the website they were like oh yeah we're open and then we're open monday if you want to come down mondays yeah. so i rang them up it's like no yeah. no we're closed it's bank holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. hey, can i ask you a quick question Al? did you flush the brake lines when you did all of this yes and young esteban helped me yes ah well played um not something i've ever done before it was really crucial Really, yeah, cool. oh, yeah. <laughs> really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you have the been the reason behind yeah. my kerfuffle. Yeah, ah, absolutely. Yeah. And it the took liquid a is not supposed to be brown. It's not supposed to be yeah. brown and fizzy. So it took yeah. it, it took a long time for us to do that because it obviously not been done for years and years and years. Yeah. <laughs> you need a friend. You need a buddy. It's a two man <laughs> job. It, it it is. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, it likes. It sounds like. Possibly not the best of, of weeks for you, but uh, it sounds like you've you've taken some some good things from it, and I think that's kind of that's the most anyone can ask from something like that. So, um, so yeah, fair play to you for uh, for taking it in your stride, as it were. Um, uh, I was going to ask as well uh, with regards to uh, the thing down at Anvil Art. You said the lovely smell of burning coke. I'm assuming there must at least have been a smoker of some description going as well. By the time was I got there, Jim was absolutely steaming. And he'd obviously <laughs> had absolutely no intention of cooking anything. <laughs> it was like a packet of sausages. Yeah. Okay, um, sort of middle of the night, like one o'clock, he got some um, chicken shawarma out that he'd had marinating <laughs> and, and put it on the coals. And it was absolutely stunning. But he's like, by that yeah. point, he could have served us anything. Yeah, you know, um, did, did he do his usual thing where he starts singing his shirt off when he's cooking shawarma? There was no singing, <laughs> no, there was no swinging. Sh I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> oh man, honestly, that was one of the best nights I think I've ever had. Um, yes, uh, I well, I'm I'm almost disappointed that there was no shawarma singing, but uh, but no, it sounds like it was um, sounds like it was a, a weird but good kind of week. Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, yeah. So you, Steve. What about me? What have I done? I, I've had a bit of a, a weird week myself. Um, I haven't really done a whole heap uh, in terms of productivity stuff because uh, I had my jab, my first jab on Thursday. Um, and Wednesday afternoon, I put my back out, um, which was <laughs> super fun. Uh so I had to go get my, um, when I was uh, at the vaccination center, there was, you walk in and you've got to do your check-in and everything else. And uh, because as as you check in, there was like a, a like a trestle table with like all the bits on it. And um, there was this 50-year-old woman sat there with like a 19-year-old lad that was helping her out. And she was just being very nice and sweet and lovely to everyone. And be like, you're right here. How can I help you? What's your name? And, and going through all this. And uh, and she gave me my thing, and then said, "Are you, are you okay?" Because she could see me kind of struggling with my back a little bit. 
And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've just, uh, I've just, I put my back out yesterday, moving some stuff around. And she went, what, what you need, dear, is you need a nice young lady and a nice pair of stilettos to just walk up and down your back. Oh, golly. <laughs> and it was great because the, the poor kid's face just went like, what did she just say? <laughs> and obviously being me, I couldn't resist the opportunity to everyone say, is that an offer? And, uh, and I got the, uh, the rest of the crowd or the rest of the, the line kind of laughing and giggling. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was good. Uh, got that done. So hopefully the second jab uh, is already booked in for August. So by middle of August, I will be fully vaccinated. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we basically spent most of this week in work just getting stuff ready for the first classes. So I've, I've been uh, getting the coal forges um, all rigged up and working, uh, giving them a tune up. Uh, had to make some some repairs to a couple of them because they when we did the original design there was a fatal flaw which was that the ash gate was not put into the design so there's never an ash dump on them so we've uh we've spent the last couple of years just having to periodically take the back off uh hoof out all of the ash and clinker and shit that falls down between the holes um just to keep things running uh, but we've now put in, uh, I put in a system that's just on a counter lever. So you, every 20 minutes or so, you just go on, kick the lever up, it flaps up, all the ash falls out and self-seals itself. And it seems, to touch wood, to be working really well. Um, Al had the first class uh, this weekend, which um, which is good. It's exciting. Uh, and I will be speaking to him about that tomorrow um, to find out how it all went. Um, on that, we had a photo shoot. Shoot photo shoot uh in the forge again we seem to have one every other week um was it this... shirtless shawarma forge time uh, unfortunately not no there was no, no yeah no shawarma um but uh but yeah it was quite good because uh the there was a, a blogger who was interviewing al for a a german blog um but the photographer um was a, a really nice guy um and I kind of like because he was going around kind of getting like uh, essentially B-roll footage, but the photographic equivalent of that. Um, uh, I got to spend a bit of time talking to him. Um, I'll probably talk a bit more, bit more about him later. Um, but yeah, it was just really nice kind of getting to geek out about photography stuff with him <laughs> um, and like have someone else where, where I could be like, oh yeah, but if you shoot from this angle, then you get this bit of reflection from this and you get this and that's in yeah it was mm -hmm. it was nice it was fun uh and then spent the last few days on friday i drove down to devon and i've had a, a, a uh, i've been mucking around in the sea and playing with rock pools and then remembering that my back really hurts and crawling across wet rocks is not a good idea mm. um and that's very beautifully into our topic this week which is essentially that like the the whole cost benefit analysis of whether it's worth start building something completely from scratch or uh getting something and like shop bought and improving on it um brett do you want to go a little bit more into that seeing as this is your idea <laughs> yeah why not so i'm working on the project uh, for the lights, and I had the brilliant idea to do some solar 
uh, old school versus new school, right? Mixture. So I'm using new technology, but I want them to be forged and look handmade as far as the lighting goes. And because we always battle with the whole, um, you know, I want to be able to make everything and know that my, my hands created all of these things. Well, I'm not going to work on the wiring and I'm as simple as it is, it would still probably require me getting a circuit board or I don't know, bodging something together that runs off of a panel. I'm not going to make the panel. So obviously I'm going to buy that. Um, and it got me thinking how often uh, we battle or at least me personally battles with, I, I want to make everything for the challenge of it. And I, I want to know that I've achieved my goal of making something from scratch as often as I possibly can. But sometimes it really comes down to, um, like Steve said, the cost benefit analysis, where if I was going to try and make these lights, even just using the solar panel and then doing everything else myself, it would probably take me the better part of a few solid days and it'd be pretty bodged together just because I don't know a lot about electronics and I'd have to spend time learning and looking up the videos. So I made the decision after some walk arounds yesterday that I'll be mix matching pre-made from various stores with mm -hmm. things that I will hand forge. And I really think the end goal is what's most important, right? Like what am I trying to achieve? I'm trying to achieve uh, an aesthetically pleasing set of lights for the exterior of my shop. Shop, yeah. Does that mean I have to make them 100% from scratch? I'm not blowing glass myself to make these things. That's ridiculous. Why the so, fuck not? Yeah, right. And then you just start <laughs> making uh, constellations for this. Well, I'll buy the glass and then I'll make everything else. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess I got to make an LED light. Well, by the LED light, I I'm not going to make that. Yeah. yeah. And then the solar panel. And you're like, okay, now 50% of it is pre-made. Who gives a yeah. shit? I get yeah. down on myself a little bit for going, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to spend the money. I could make it myself. It, if you are good enough on the internet, you can find things for less than what it would cost you to go and buy it yourself yeah. or obviously make it yourself. You know, the, the solar lights, which was a decent sized panel, including its own little battery pack and two lead wires that go out to the LEDs was $30, yeah. $30. I, I feel like it's more expensive to just buy a solar panel most of yeah. the time. And this comes with two leads that are long enough to be able to string out, you know, and, and run through the shop. I mean, so like, what do like you that. guys, how often are you guys doing this battle back and forth between work, maybe Al through your real job. And then obviously you get a lot of pre-mades or, or, you know, you roll through the scrap to find stuff. Steve, you know that the blacksmithing thing is always like, yeah, I could make a hammer. Sometimes you could buy a hammer, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like, cause we, we talked about this a little bit, uh, back along, um, when you, were, when you first talked about doing the bathroom in the, um, in the house and we kind of said like, there's, there's obviously a point where it, it becomes, uh, just not viable. I mean, like, like you say, like a lot of the time, you can buy a completely functional working product for less than the cost of materials if you were to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it is an interesting one because it, you know, from just a uh, a maker point of view, if you're doing it for yourself, like 
how far into it do you, do you want to go? I mean, like our, our, a lot of the time when we have people saying to, to us, oh, you shouldn't be using an angle grinder to cut that, or you shouldn't be using a thing to do this, like you should be doing it the traditional way. It's like, well, okay, but how, how did you get here? Did you, did you ride a horse or did you get in a car and, and drive? Like, right. you know, are, you, are you going out and smelting your own steel? Like, what's that? Where does that level sit? And it, it, I think a lot of it is about just being honest about what the uh what that level is and and where that level stops um and especially like if you're doing a video then obviously that that level's there and it's 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 right in front of you um and like for us if we're, if we're making a product if if we're using a laser cut blank then you know we say oh, it's a laser cut blank or it's um you know the the pan base is like yeah we get them spun rather than hand forging Mm -hmm. like that that dish shape into it so um yeah like from from my point of view i think it where you kind of like where that that stop point is is entirely down to you as long as you're honest about where that comes from mm -hmm. i was having the um this exact conversation with with jack uh down at the forge uh, on yeah. saturday jack is like jim's equivalent of joe yeah so the sort of the the the, the finite talented arty one who's yeah. into details and things like that. Um, and he's very much of the the opinion that you make everything. Yeah. And you you um, hand punch holes in tongs and you don't drill anything and you don't grind yeah. anything and you, everything's, you know, um, drifted out properly and, and you all strapping has to be handmade and hand, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and... Um, and then one of the lads there was just like, well, how do you make them tongs if you don't have tongs? Yeah. <laughs> and we just went down this spiral of like, well, you can't make that without that, without that, without that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember Seb uh, made some hand-forged tongs. And in the video, he first just made a pair of twisted flat bar tongs to yeah. then use to make the tong tongs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, because I'm not doing it to show off or to teach anyone how to do anything, a pair of twisted flat bar tongs will be absolutely yeah. adequate. Yeah. Does it hold on a bits of metal tightly enough that I can then forge on? Yeah, yeah. So that's all I need it to do. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to reminisce and live a romantic. Not saying that's what you do, Steve. But that that's not why I do things. I'm, I'm not doing it for the the love yeah. of the craft. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. doing it because I I need something bent made out of metal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need something practical. So I I couldn't give a shit if if you buy it or you make it or you know you you do it in that respect. Go yeah. Well, this is where, you know, we're talking about the the whole, uh, the purity of it. We talk about blacksmithing often enough because it is that there's two sides of the fence with people saying it all has to be done traditional. But shifting it to the idea of, you know, being a production shop is one thing, Steve, but even for ourselves, like, Al, you've got very limited time on the weekend. So if it was the idea that you could smelt your own aluminum and then make it into something and then have a heat sink that you created on some piece of equipment that you put together. Like <laughs> how, how often are you being able to use pre-made assets at your job? We've talked about that before, you know, you, you save colorways or little vector assets because you know that it's just saving time to achieve the same goal. And this whole from scratch idea, I don't know. I, I guess I've started to become more comfortable with it. This this uh, project that I'm working on with Donovan, mm. uh, a lot of it is meant to be this. It, it's supposed to have the look of 
um, you know, hand forged from stock, all of these things. The more I've analyzed it, the more I realize like I, I could cut 90% of that out with an angle grinder, yeah. hammer texturize it. It has very precise. He's actually going for a very precise fit on some of this hardware. And so if I were to just try and bodge it together rather than buy stuff that is that size and just use what is prepared, not yeah. only do I know it will save me time, but I also know that when I deliver it to him, it'll work. Yeah. So why why challenge myself or why hold on to this whole, you know, oh, I have I have to bend all the steel myself and do all these things. Well, that I mean, that perfectly to me um, is sorry. That is a perfect example to me of what I was going to say. Like for me, it's all about what is the the purpose, not just of the 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 final product, but of uh, you making it. Um, so you know, if your purpose is because actually you want to find out how to make your own heatsink, then mm -hmm. you go make your own heatsink. If it's just making a heatsink is just a means to an end, then go out and buy a pre-made one. Like for for us, um, for example, the uh, the teaching workshop, um, we were talking the other day about getting some new hammers for it. And we, we've we and and we've talked about the fact that, yeah, we'd love to spend a bit of time and uh, make our own hammers um, and like make, make a load of hammers for all the students. But that's going to be probably a day well, maybe maybe two days to make the hammers for it um and that'll be two of us for two days uh at workshop rates that's that's 1500 quid um or we could go to vaughn's and buy a bunch of 30 quid hammers uh that are all going to do exactly the same thing we might have to spend you know maybe 10 15 minutes per hammer just dressing the the faces and maybe reshaping the handles a little bit mm -hmm. um but then what what is that has someone got a bat in their room al that's you isn't it smells <laughs> crazy <laughs> oh my god um anyway uh yeah like we might have to spend 15 20 minutes uh redressing the hammers the hammer faces and redoing the handles but that's you know a couple of hundred quid rather than 1500 quid um and it, it's just it, it has no benefit for us to make them ourselves other than pride of being able to say oh we made these hammers like mm -hmm. if we get a chance further down the line and we're like actually we, we want to make a bunch of hammers anyway for whatever reason then yeah we could make them and we could use the practice ones as the student hammers or something like that mm -hmm. but in terms of just getting to the end goal, there is no reason for us to to make our own hammers and our own tongs and stuff like that when there's right. so much easier for us to buy them. Like our our purpose is not to make tool, tools for teaching. Our purpose is to to teach and to make the products that we sell. Mm -hmm. Do you guys recall during Rory's blacksmithing class, um, he made a comment that I've kind of uh, held on to for the last couple of years, but he was talking to the folks about what it means to create these organic shapes. I think we were talking about the leaf specifically where he said so much of blacksmithing was about turning whatever the original stock was into something that doesn't look like the original stock. Mm. So as, as I've been thinking about this, buying the pre-mades and um, my time versus cost, the idea that you buy pre-made things and then can tweak them, I feel like is where a lot of people lose out 
or or maybe they don't think about it properly. Like I'm sure yeah. you guys have seen the uh, the lighting fixtures that I don't know hipster bars have definitely grabbed onto it over the last few years, but it's black pipe fittings, right? They just yeah. use a bunch of black pipe and caps and things like that. And then they hang a few lights from them and they're like, it's industrial. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that aesthetic or that style. They serve a, a really great purpose. You see the shelves that people make out of them where it's an L yeah. bracket, a flange at the mm -hmm. end, you plug the flange into the wall and then you get to hang your shelves off of it. Like job's done. Yeah. It definitely has an aesthetic that is not just a block of wood, but I feel like maybe that's where the translation is getting lost, where when people don't want to buy pre-made things, it's because they don't want it to look like it was pre-made. They want it to look like something that they've created. And even yeah. if you're putting the puzzle pieces together, very often you're going to end up with something that looks like you could have purchased it online and not something very unique. I know that uh, after I came to terms with my buying pre-made things, most of the stuff that I'm going to be buying hardware wise and a few of the little connections, one, they all have to be hollow in the middle because I want to hide the wire. I'm yeah. not going to forge my own pipe. Like that's, yeah. that's just not going to happen. And because I want to use brass just to hold up to the elements out here and not completely rust, I can, I can carve cut sculpt brass. You know, I can, all the little pipe flanges that I'm planning on using, I'll just knock the edges off or knock the text off of them so that there's not some big stamp on them that says made in Korea. I don't have any problems with where it was made. <laughs> I just don't want to see that on yeah. my lighting fixture that I'm trying to put together. So it takes an extra 10 to 15 minutes, but you're still saving tons of time not making that thing to begin with. Yeah. But there are there is such an opportunity to, if you can train yourself to see what those forms can then create, all the threading and the piping that's going to save me loads of time. Mm -hmm. I can hide that or doll it up a little bit and make it look more unique than store-bought and then just come to terms with the fact that I didn't want to thread a bunch of brass with drills and taps that I don't even have because they're an inch wide and yeah. all of these. It's just getting people to realize that you can tweak the things that you pre-buy to make them feel like your own. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of like, that's what the whole upcycling aesthetic is you know it's taking things that that are pre-made that are whatever and it's it's tweaking them to, to mm -hmm. customize them to your own to your own tastes um and whether that's um like taking something and completely ripping it apart and using individual elements from it to to create something entirely different or whether it's doing something i mean i i've got kicking around somewhere i've got i think it's in that bag uh i've got a nerf gun that i've had for fucking ages uh that i just want to take apart um and repaint um the and it's purely to make it look cooler like it's still going to be a pre-made thing i'm not going to go around saying to people oh yeah i've i made this gun it's going to be oh yeah i took a nerf gun and i put my own spin on it and i think mm -hmm. like it that's it still requires creativity to to take something that's pre-made and to put your own to and, and also like not everyone has um like like you say you know, like not everyone has like a shitload of taps and things like that like, not everyone can thread one inch uh pipe or whatever like it, it's you know it, are you in the wrong if you just take a bit of one inch pipe or that's not threaded and thread it yourself or 
do you, do you have to make the pipe yourself? Yeah, like, where, does make the, the, where does the pipe die? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. And I think like, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on. Like I think as long as you're honest about what your your starting materials are and what you're doing with them, I don't I don't think it matters because there's so many people out there that don't have huge workshops to do this sort of stuff in, and they've you know they want to tweak something and they want to make it their own, but without having to go through you know five ten years of of building up a workshop to be able to make mm -hmm. a light thing mm -hmm. i think there's a few different facets to this because steve with the nerf gun you're talking about making something your own or making something unique mm. um and brett you're talking about taps and threading and and pipe fittings and stuff and that <laughs> might be that it needs to be of a certain standard like i'd rather mm -hmm. buy stuff like that yeah. knowing that it's got five-year warranty against leaks Mm -hmm. You know, it might be romantic to, to to make your own, but can do I have the precision engineering and tools and specs and backlash in my lathe to in order to make you know <laughs> plumbing fittings? It's just not practical. Like yeah, and 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 even the like the quality of the material. Like, are you going to get the right quality brass? Yeah, that's able to do it, you know, or are you just making with what you've got? So I think some things need to 100% be bought just for all the practical reasons. Yeah. Um, Steve, I love your idea of um, making your own a Nerf gun. Make I, I did it with um, some gun cons back in the day because mm. you get the shitty blue plastic gun cons. It's like, well, no, I yeah. want these to look like metal and have like yeah, yeah. Um, flames on them. No, oh. um, Boondock right. Saints, like things hanging off yeah. the bottom of you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's also like improving on them. So if mm. I was if I was you, Steve, I'd then up up upgrade the springs. You can get a spring kit for like five yeah. bucks, and just swap out the valves, and and then you've you've got like a double powered Nerf yeah. gun, <laughs> way better than factory. Um, yeah. And it's the same with the tire machine that I bought. Like yes. straight out of the box was awful. I spent a bit of time. And zero money made it a little bit better than awful. Steve, you and I had a frightening <laughs> experience with it. But if 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 I'd have then spent another morning yeah. and thrown a you know maybe another fifty quid at it, it yeah. could be a real pleasure to use and a really good tool versus yeah. the cheap stamped lowest common denominator machine that comes from China. Yeah. So th there's like at least three different things you can do to have that conversation of should I buy or should I make? Yeah. I mean, like, because the other, the as you were saying about like uprating and improving something that already exists, the first thing that came to my head was cars. Like the whole car culture, um, it's like it's so easy for um, for people to be able to go out and say, "Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just going to buy a car." And this, and even even with the car culture that exists nowadays, like people still pay someone else to go and make their own custom car for them rather than doing the work themselves. And like it, the the there's obviously a question there of like, oh, well, you know, the whole built, not bought thing. It's like, well, yeah, but you've got someone else to build it for you. But does that devalue the the car itself? Or is that car actually better because it was made by someone who does that for a living and, and all of this? And like, and that, you know, most people that do car customization, they start off with, you know, a shitty Nova or a Ford Escort or whatever. And they do a little bit of work on that. You know, they, they, drop it drop the springs a little bit and they put a loud exhaust on and they don't do anything that actually improves it but they just do the aesthetic things that look cool and mm -hmm. then they then they learn more about it and i think that's 
that's one of the great things about it is the fact that you you know you start off with those simple little things and then you get further and further into it as you gain more confidence because again with electronics like electronics is one of those things that just fucking terrifies me because i just don't know enough about it but i know that if i start with some real simple um like easy projects where i know i can go you know i'm i only need to resolder that one wire or i need to just change out this little bit or just add a an extra bit in here and there sort of thing like you build up on that until it gets to the point where you know, you're watching an electro boom video going i can do that and you understand what all the things that he's doing actually mean mm -hmm. um so yeah i think like doing the the kind of buying something and uh tinkering with it i think is a it's, it's a fucking brilliant way to get into to making in general and i think it, it's there's a lot of kind of like gatekeeping and snobbery around it where it's like oh no you if you're not doing it properly if you don't make it all yourself it's like bollocks like <laughs> people like that annoy me because they're they're using a drill that they they bought from a shop they're not they didn't make their own drill um i'm sure someone will turn around and say well actually i've made my own fucking hand tools i don't care um <laughs> and i just yeah i think Again, I, like I said at the beginning, I think as long as you're honest about um, what you're doing, then I don't think there's any issue at all with um, with buying something and, and improving on it or or taking it apart and using bits of it to do something else with. Mm -hmm. Just to throw in a bit more complication to the equation. Oh, um, do it. Brett, I think you touched on it earlier, but obviously Steve butted in, um, was about kind of outsourcing um and steve i know you get like for instance the pan spun yeah because it's a hell of a lot easier than fucking beating them out and it's consistent yeah. and you get to decide the specs and stuff so at work it might be that we need like an illustration commissioning or animation doing so it's like go to the pros go to someone who's a professional illustrator or a professional animator yeah. or a typographer and it's like their skill set is precise and they know how to craft things in a certain way the challenge and they'll take less time than we will mm -hmm. yeah so there's always this fear of this external cost like internally the, the bean counters shit themselves whenever we say we're going to hire a typographer yeah. and then the client tends to shit themselves as well because it sounds expensive it's like yeah. well can't, can't you just do it what are we paying you for can't you just do you not know how to yeah. type it's like yeah we do but it's going to be cheaper better more efficient you know, yeah. more professional if we get the, the actual professional to do it. Mm -hmm. um, however, again, the other curveball of that is we are the ones that are the creative direction on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to an artist and saying, paint me a picture. You're going to an artist and saying, paint me a picture that looks exactly like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Using these exact colors, this exact paintbrush, this exact yeah. canvas, and and then suddenly it doesn't become as efficient anymore. So I've spent more time directing someone how to do animation and I could have done it myself and I have, I have done it myself. There's been mm -hmm. dozens of yeah. times where I've just gone, thank you very much. Really appreciate what you're doing. I'll do it myself. Yeah. You know, even though I'm not as te technically gifted as they are, I know what's needed. I know mm -hmm. what the client wants and I know the technical parameters of it. So I'll just do it mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. W would it have been nicer to have someone else do it? Yes. So like the the logo that we we did for work that I showed you guys the kind of three D yes. spinning mm -hmm. thing, that was Alec Troshut who's a, a illustrator and typographer. Nobody in our studio would have ever been able to do that. 
Yeah. It was so unique and abstract and bizarre and, you know, of a, of a style hmm. that it had to be him to do it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, we directed him. Yes, we kind of told him that bit needs to be a bit fatter, that, you know, it needs to be balanced more for, just from a creative point of view. But hmm. he was the one that created that and we yeah. had to pay him for it. There yeah. was no shortcuts with that. And I, I think like that kind of shows a bit of a maturity as well as to whether it's like knowing when it's worth going, actually, I'm going to do this myself. And when it's worth going, you know what, this is, this is better letting someone else do that because I cannot do it to the quality that they can. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I think that speaks to the, the, you know, the parts that I'm buying too, because we've already talked about it, but like, there's no way I'm going to be able to knock together the kind of threading and connections that I need. So why not rely on these pre-made parts where they're made to do the exact thing? Yeah. Like, I can check my ego and go, yeah, they're regardless of whether there's a bin of them <laughs> and they're all the same and it's yeah. not an individual part that I had somebody make and I know their name, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Um, what I was going to throw your guys' way is, do you think it is just inherent in in our maker, Steve, the C word community, that people are a little bit more keen with going to say a car boot sale or a flea market or something like that and being able to see the potential and stuff? Or or do you think maybe maybe it's not inherent in everybody in the maker community, but that there's just a specific kind of person that can see the part in the thing, in the bin, in the flea market and go, that's the thing I was looking for, or that would solve my problem with X, Y, and Z project that I have to do at home. I don't know that I've met. I, I don't think that's an every person thing where they can see the potential in the parts or that I, you know, like me walking through the big box store yesterday and going, Oh, that's what I was looking for. Oh, that's yeah. what I was looking for. And they're pre-made. But if you look at it as an individual piece yeah. and somebody was like, I want to make a lighting fixture. I think, I don't think everybody's able to do that translation and figure yeah. out how all those bits go together. And I, to be fair, I, I don't think it's even like just within the, the maker community. I think like that's something that's outside of like this kind of thing. And I think like there's, so that, that for those of them that those people that can see that potential, I think that falls into two categories, and that's uh, people that can look at something and go, "That's got potential as a thing." I don't know what for yet, yeah, but I know I want to keep that and put that to one side, and I'm going to use that later. Laura is a perfect example of that. Like mm -hmm. she's got a wonderful collection of <laughs> random shit that she doesn't have a specific use for, but she knows she will like one day a project will come along and it, and she'll go, "Fuck yeah, that's perfect for it." Mm -hmm. Um, and the other one is. Uh, the kind of people that that have something in mind and whilst they're going around, they see something and go, oh, yes, that thing is absolutely perfect for that. Or they'll they'll look at something and instantly go, I can see that becoming a ray gun or I can see that becoming a, a rocket ship or whatever. Tom Tom Peterson. Yes, he's exactly yeah. who I was thinking of. Um, and then I think there's the third category, which is where what I fall into, which is looking at something and going, that's really cool. And and that's it. That's where the thought kind of stopped. Because <laughs> um, I'm fucking terrible at shit like that. Like I, I really struggle um, finding something and and being able to see a um, 
a use beyond its intent, intended use or a, a purpose beyond its intended purpose. Um, just because I, that, that's not how my brain works. So mm -hmm. doing stuff like that sometimes struggles. And that's why you end up with people that make those fucking, like they get a, a really nice wooden hand plane and just drill a hole in it and stick a <laughs> filament bulb in. And that's it. It's like, that's, that's not creative. You've literally yeah. drilled a hole and put a bulb in it. That's kind of thing Tim makes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, this is this is why I bring it up. Is do you think it's something that you can train yourself to do, or you think there are exercises? Now, I will throw my little drawing exercise in the hat or in the circle, and say that I think that had a bigger influence on me, and I know I've commented on it before. I think my mom putting me through that little "let's make the doodle into something" exercise ended up feeding into a lot of my creativity or being able to see the potential in something that is inherently not useful, right? Yeah. A few chicken scratches on a page is not anything. It's not representative. It's not art. You can't even justify it as, as like pre-thought because it's not even on the Pollock scale of, <laughs> I meant to make these marks exactly here <laughs> and I let the pencil do what it's doing. But I think that really served a purpose with me being able to walk through, yes, the antique store or the flea market is where I would prefer to find all of my things. You know, stuff that's been pre-used, has a story behind it. I'm able to create this romantic reuse of the material. The big box store takes some of the romanticism out of it, but I'm still able to look at it as just puzzle pieces. I, I know what I'm trying to achieve, but I think it takes training and i do you think everybody's susceptible to that or can accept that kind of training or do you think it's just like steve saying he's just kind of wired that way and it may be more difficult to get you into that mode i think it's it is something that's that's doable but i think you uh, like as in like trainable um but you, you do have to kind of train your brain to do it a little bit like i think the the kind of analogy for me is um is lego sets so when i was a kid um we had a a plastic tub that was just full of all random kind of bits of of lego and i could make like i could quite happily sit there and i could make whatever i wanted out of that um but if you gave me a a lego set and said right this is a police station or this is a, a blacksmith workshop or, or whatever i I would have to sit there and meticulously put it all together in the right way. I wouldn't be able to deviate from that intended purpose until I'd made it right. Okay. And then it gets torn up and then it goes into the bucket of all the other Lego stuff. And then it can be whatever I want to make. Sort of okay. Um, but I think like, so for me, if I was to take, um, uh, I can't think of something like a, a drill press or something like that. And if I was to take that apart and, take 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 every single bit of it apart take undo every nut and bolt and put it in a pile in the corner part of my head would still be like that's that's a drill press that's all meant to be a drill press mm -hmm. but if i then mixed up with a load of other random bits of things then i can start breaking it down into individual pieces and go oh actually that's a really nice thing and i could use that for like i could use that individual piece for something else whereas whilst it's still connected to its other parts i still see that that mm -hmm. kind of purpose mm -hmm. there even if it's in bits so i think like um finding a way to to break that mental um 
like barricade, I think is is kind of key to that training. I, I'm kind of anti this 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 idea of training because I think you said it earlier before, Steve, where it takes a sort of a level of maturity to decide when to go down yeah. that avenue or when to yeah. get someone else to do it or when to buy it or when to make it. So I would say that they're all totally valid approaches. Mm. Um, so I think if you end up, oh, I can make everything. I've trained myself and I've learned how to make it, so I don't need it. Yeah, you yeah. know, I think that is just not practical or economic or oh, God, yeah, yeah. helpful yeah. to other people. You know, yeah. So I just to clarify, I was talking more about like seeing something and yeah, being no, able no. To repurpose it rather than. I'm just yeah. trying to get back to the topic of yeah. this podcast. Yeah, um, Why? When did we ever do that? Because what you're saying is is still valid, and and I still I still love the idea of seeing something else in something like the Lego set analogy is a perfect analogy. You know that's that's probably some sort of mantra of Lego somewhere. You yeah. know I've seen the posters where it's just like two bricks and it's a T Rex. Yeah, um, which is the exact opposite of Lego kit, which is yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. follow these instructions to the wire. Um, and I I think I've got a little bit of all of it. I think I've got a bit of that. I can see. I don't see the the creativity in things, so I don't. I don't see like a like Tom, for instance, who talked about mm. a ray gun. Like I don't see yeah. a bed knob and think, oh, that could be the handle of the ray gun. Yeah. What I see is the spring inside the bed, and I understand the tension on it, and I yeah. know what part of the ray gun that would be. Yeah. So I understand the technical aspect of, and potential of things. So gonna blow my own trumpet the brake disc the brake rotor thing for the vents of the fire is fucking genius yeah mm -hmm. because i understand how a vented brake disc works it's a perfect yeah. thing to draw you know it's like that straight away in my head i was like yeah i need something solid metal that i can use and it's like yeah. oh then this, this this can work as the airflow and, and it's like that's that's how my brain works yeah mm -hmm. not this will look nice on a <laughs> on a fire uh, a smoker like yeah, the, yeah. No, no part of that was meant to look nice um but i like the workings of it so so even your drill press analogy like mm. i know all the bits of that drill press and what they do because i yeah. took it apart and yeah. i think the taking apart of brett like i'm so interested to to have your take on taking apart a solar panel hookup system because it might be that then you go you know what yeah, they threw in this wire, but the probably the gauge on it isn't enough mm -hmm, for the draw yeah. that I'm going to have. So I might just upgrade mm -hmm. that for the sake of like a couple of books. Or I might have that wire lying around somewhere from something else. Yeah. Um, and, th and then suddenly that's when my brain starts ticking. But I'd I'd love to have a bit of the Tom Peterson. Yeah. I'd love to okay. have that um, seeing the, the creative potentially, but I don't think I do. No. Well, no, then, I think... but going back to the original topic, it's... <laughs> I guess these creative projects, it, it's a lot less about the money spend or time spend because you're just trying to achieve the creative goal, right? Mm -hmm. This was a project that spawned from the bed knob that turned into the handle. Like, There's nothing in there where it's like, oh, I have to be able to make the handle for this ray gun I have in mind. You're just allowing your creativity to develop into this final project. So it has so little to do with creating your own parts or the expenses they're in. If you're doing uh, retroactive building or deconstructive building where Steve, when you're talking about the drill press, 
I I love that analogy that you're able to look at a pile of stuff. Like if you mixed all the Legos together and you're like, right now make something. There is technically a pirate ship set, a blacksmith set and a spaceship set. But now they're all bleh. So whatever Steve comes up with is a nice little creative exercise of just putting the bricks together. If I told you that I would pay you, you know, a hundred dollars if you could make me the blacksmith set out of that pile that actually has like three or four sets in it, hmm. then you can start to, it's a completely ridiculous hypothetical situation, but could you do that and still achieve the goal? And how would you go about it? Would you look for every single individual <laughs> piece that was from the blacksmithing set? Or would you go, I just need to achieve the goal. This person's going to pay me a hundred dollars. You could make a building and probably find enough of the little unique blacksmithing pieces, put yeah. them in there and go, there it is jobs done yeah so is it the idea of the it has to be a deliverable something that's uh where does the cost analysis like start to eke into the just creative project you know what i'm saying yeah i mean i think for for something like that though it it's much more <sighs> i mean yeah I, like for me personally if you if you said right there's the there's the pile of three different sets go and make one of the sets from it then I, I definitely wouldn't look at trying to recreate the the original set. I'd be like, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it in my own style. I'm gonna add in a <laughs> the forge the, wasn't even accurate. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna add in one of the boosters from the rocket ship and use that as the forge. And <laughs> oh, you yeah, go Mandalorian I, for the yeah. forge. And yeah, I, I'm gonna fuck around and add a load of extra things in and and have some fun and be a bit more creative with it. Um, so yeah, that. That was my answer to, the, to that question. So it's just got me thinking about the whole creativity thing. And something's just dawned on me. I would never and have never bought anything that is like art. Mm. if Or like um, sort of creative. Like I would never buy a coffee table because I can make a coffee table. I would never buy a painting because I can paint. And unless it was like something done by one of my friends mm. or someone that I know and have a reason as to why I would, I have no interest in any, in somebody else's creativity, like in my life. Do you know what I mean? I'd like, I'd like something that you made, Brett, because you're my friend. I'd like something that you made, Steve, because you're my friend. And I don't mean that in like a patronizing way, like, oh, I thought it because he's my friend. I mean, because I care about your creative output. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone I don't know. I wouldn't want their painting on my wall. For me, that's just weird. Like, really? I've got no, I've, I don't play a part oh. in their life. I don't like means yeah. nothing to me. Whereas your creative expression means something to me because mm. I'm interested in your life and I'm interested in things that make you th think and express yourself. But that is so unique, though. That's that's such a unique outlook. I've never on got it because... bought something like. But think of how many people <laughs> think of how many people just want to go to say like, big box store. Or you guys have been to a Target so or weird. Walmart. You go oh, a nice to cushion. Wow. yeah the home decor section and you buy stuff to put on your walls because it's like uh, that person's way that. of expressing themselves. But they're through... not it's somebody else's expression. That's what I'm saying. But in <laughs> in that personality, you know, that personality yeah. sees it as well. I put these things together mm. to express my creativity or my personality or my vibe the idea that you go and buy an entire set like you walk in and go 
right, I want that living room. And then it just gets dropped yeah. into your place. Mm. And what is the approach that, well, I would have done this. I would have done this myself, but it, they just sold it as a set. I would have built the blacksmithing forge Lego thing with myself, but uh, I bought the pre-made one because they were all the same colors. And if, yeah, if, if by some fluke, it was exactly what you had in your head. Yeah. But was already existed in the store. I'd be like, they nailed it. I'm going to buy the yeah. shit out of that. <laughs> but, mm. but I think like f for a lot of that, I think is um, like, so yes, obviously there are people that will go to Ikea and they'll say, Oh, that that setup, that's exactly what I want because they they don't want to build a a room for themselves. Like I I I love buying art and um sculptures and, and stuff like that. I wish I could afford to do more. I wish I had more room for it because um I don't make a connection with the person that made that piece of art. I make a connection with that piece of art. It's how it's what it says to me, it's how it speaks to me. Um and kind of by extension to that like al if you if you drew a picture or if you drew a, if you did a painting and you know you're really proud of it you put a lot of effort into it and, and all of that but i didn't really connect to it i didn't really get it then i i wouldn't want to buy it off of you just because it was something you made it no, but no. yeah but um but yeah if, anyone no this is but, awful <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah I've, I've got like photos on my walls that uh from um by other photographers and you know i've got uh i've got stuff in my house that was painted by people that i've never met or or made by someone that i've never met because mm -hmm. i find that thing interesting and don't wrong like i would much rather if if there was two identical things and one was made by andy Pugh and one was made by random person from liverpool i'm i don't know why liverpool uh i'm gonna buy the andy Pugh because that's got an added connection to it um but Okay. And again, this is this is like this is going into the whole kind of art discussion of like what is art and what what does it do? And it's it, it is again. yeah, it's just about like what what makes a it, it, what sparks something in me. And if something sparks something in me, then I want it in the house. Like it's, um, yeah. I, I, I guess it's just about what 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 works for you. Like I, I wouldn't want um, the entire house to be furniture that i'd made and art that i've made and all of that because i would just see it as being surrounded by imperfection because <laughs> i would i would see every single fault in every single thing constantly whereas something that someone else has made i can look at and go i appreciate these things about it and i'm not worried about how it's made i'm not worried about the you know the techniques that they used or anything else i am just purely interested in the end product which again goes back to nicely to what we were talking about in the beginning of the purpose of it so you know if if brett was to come in and i said right brett i'm going to give you ten thousand dollars to redecorate my bathroom and he used a load of i would spend two hundred dollars on the bathroom <laughs> and pocket the rest of it <laughs> yeah, he, he might go in and buy a load of pre-made bits and put his own give me the bits um or it might even just be the fact that he bought a load of pre-made bits but put them together in a unique way sort of thing like that's that's what I'm paying for is that kind of that eye, that aesthetic um, mm -hmm. over the, you know, I, I wouldn't care if he brought the free mid bits or if he'd hand forged every single piece, it would be about the, the end result. Right. Ah, this is so interesting though. Cause now I'm just thinking about Al being so anti uh, commercialism, which is so yeah. why would I spend money on anything 
that is meant to express my creativity where shops full of like art just like blows my mind like paintings in ikea i just can't get my head around it that is a massive part of the world economy is people just buying stuff (laughs) to have like a connection an emotional connection with the thing that there are ten thousand love or whatever it is oh yeah (laughs) Uh, i can't stand those but you know i am a person who owns a handful of like resin art dunnies and things like that that are mass produced you know it comes from an artist who originally designed them and so it has its own unique spin but like i have a a bender futurama kid robot bender that's three inches tall you know it's just a little plastic toy that's different to me though that that comes from a story so you're invested in okay everything linked to that you know what i mean okay i I fully appreciate that because the it has a meaning to me yeah it has a meaning to me before i saw the object so I could have a, a sculpture of um, something from a movie, you know what I mean? Because because to me, there's a an inbuilt purpose for it and a meaning for it. Yeah. Right. But uh, but the idea that you could technically make one, I'd rather do that. Okay. So I'd rather I'd rather build the bender thing myself, or right. have you build a bender thing for it, and then it's like, oh, it's the little bender that Brett made me. That would mean, yeah. mean a million times more to me. Um. But do well, you think putting it on yourself as being like, oh man, I could make that little Bender doll? Does no, it again, just immediately did... get kicked off because you're like, I don't no, know, time, but... materials, money? Like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, back to yeah. Steve's point, like, the, there's a there's a maturity that you have to then go. Actually, probably the the official, yeah, um, whatever network is on now, FX, Comedy Central, I don't know, um, version of that is probably perfect. Yeah, and doesn't need me fucking around and faffing about and making it awful and yeah. worse. Um, so in that respect, I I definitely get that one. Yeah. And it'd probably come with lots of nice little unknown little booklets and cool shit yeah. in a nice box. So then yeah. so that like that side of commercialism I totally buy into. But there's a there's a connection there for me, the mere meaning. Hmm. Fair enough. But then but then I think like 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 I say, I think with a lot of stuff like that, you kind of um that that connection that meaning is something mm. that you you decide on yourself and it, that, that connection that meaning might just literally be that's a pretty thing and i like it it makes yeah. me happy to look at it therefore i want it in my house um i don't think there's anything wrong with that um in fact i that's why I, we end up with cushions in your house steve nobody needs them i i fuck off i i have loads of cushions and i fucking love having cushions in my house <laughs> because they're comfortable like pillows are comfortable yeah, but pillows you rest your head on. Cushions, cushions get in the way. No, cushions are fucking great. Cushions are like if you've got a sofa like mine, like you need cushions on it. Um I I was gonna say something, Ben, but because Brett's going on for some reason, <laughs> I just feel like dragging this out a little bit more. Um, because cushions are spiffing. <laughs> You don't even remember the order, do you? It's because you didn't fucking say it. <laughs> it's Azab. Azab, uh, which means Al, you are first. Whenever I say Azab, I always want to say Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all do. I would like to spiff a, a, a pre spiff because Brett, you said pre thought and it reminded me of pre crime. This ah, um, we've already spiffing minority report, and he is in his own way spiffing. Um, it's Mr. Keith, De- Mr. Keith Decent. Um, 
I, I wanted to spiff him when he started messing around with a rug making machine because uh, that in itself was spiffing. But now he's finished his turtles rug. It's just glorious. It's and that is a perfect example of something I would buy the shit out of because it's made by Keith. If he, if they just were just in the store, I wouldn't want one. Yeah. Because he's bonkers and he made it. And it's just such a stupid subject matter. Um, but also dear to my heart because it's turtles. Uh, <laughs> I would absolutely buy that turtles rug. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and check out Keith Decent on Instagram. Yeah. It's probably the best place. Um, I'm hoping yeah. he's going to make a YouTube video out of it because um, it's a fantastically interesting machine and process. And the learning curve that he's had to go on in yeah. order to get slightly consistent results is great. So I'm hoping he's going to make a full-fledged video out of it, if he's not all done already. Um, but yeah, go check out Keith and his turtles rug. <laughs> that's all there is to it. I'm not going to describe yeah. it any more than that. that, that that's a good shout. Uh, yeah, I think we've we've shouted out Keith a couple of times on here. He is lovely. And I'm pretty sure I saw something about the... And I, I was going to say the other day, but I'm pretty sure it was like three months ago, that he was doing another From the Ground Up episode. Uh, so yeah. there might be. There yeah, might I be think that was the last time we spiffed him was was his podcast. Yeah. Podcast. yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a, another episode out that I haven't actually listened to yet. So I am going to check that out. Uh, Brett, you're after me because it's as a. Um, so <laughs> nice. Uh, Very thank nice. you. <laughs> Smooth recovery there. Uh, I briefly mentioned him earlier on. Um, we had a photographer in earlier in the week. Um, and that was Greg Funnel, uh, who is a thoroughly lovely chap, um, but also a shit-hot photographer. Um, London-based freelance photographer. Uh, he also actually hosts uh, an ex-negative podcast, uh, which I have the first couple of episodes downloaded, but haven't listened to yet. So I can't actually recommend it because I don't know if they're any good or not. Um, but it's a photography-based podcast. Uh, his um, his Instagram is just Greg Funnel, um, but he also has a, a Weekend Woodsman um, Instagram account as well because I, I don't know if you guys have the same sort of thing. Like my my Moonshine Metalworks uh, account is all just fucking lots of blacksmiths, lots of makers, and I kind of almost get lost, like almost get snowblind to it all. Um, mm -hmm. So it's quite nice having my... Uh, personal account as well because it means i get to see some of the other stuff that i'm interested in um and greg was having the same problem that his his work account was all like very professional photographers and and, and stuff like that and he wasn't really getting to see um the stuff that inspired him and kept him interested um so he's got the weekend woodsman as his kind of personal um account i guess uh where he's following like more crafty people and stuff like that uh, and then the uh, the Greg Funnel one, which is all of his uh, actual photography work. And there is just some fantastic shots on there. And it's it's everything from like, there's a little bit of street photography. There's um, some landscape stuff. There's a lot of portrait stuff. A lot of what he does is portrait stuff. Um, but some of the street photography is fantastic. Uh, and he's been all over the world shooting. He was shooting for National Geographic for a while as well. Um, so yeah, there's some really interesting things on there. And just quite nice and inspiring uh, photos. So, yeah, go go check out Greg because he's lovely. Um, yeah, Brett, now it's you. 
Hooray! So with all of the housework and um, just learning more stuff going on inside the renovation of the cabin, I have been following uh, Carpentry by Mar. Have I talked about this guy before? No. I don't think so. Anyway, so he's mainly just an Instagrammer with a pretty hefty following. Um, he does carpentry tips and framing, you know, if you have a, a bowed two by four, here's a couple of tricks to figure it out. Cutting molding and all of this weird thing or all of these weird techniques to just avoid math or just use the, the building in space techniques. Um, yeah, he's got a half a million followers on, on Instagram. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Uh, I think one of the ones that everybody was seeing was him adjusting the door hinges where the door wasn't closing all the way. And it's like an Instagram reel. And then he just shows how he bends the plate a little bit back. And then like the door seats, right? Anyway, he's a delightful guy in his videos. I've never uh, exchanged any messages with him, but I've heard through the grapevine that he's, he's totally just a, he's an everyday working guy that just happens to show a lot of really cool tips um, for the carpentry that he does. I am learning things just by watching these super short videos that he produces. He just shoots them on the fly and it's like, Hey, if you're ever dealing with this, I'm going to show you how to fix it. And then at the end of almost every video, he's like, well, I hope that helps. And it just gives a <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> Zero ego, never too much energy and doesn't yell at you the whole time. Like, Hey, well, I'll show you how to do <laughs> just a guy that just talks to you. It's as if you were on the job site with him. He's like, Hey, let me show you how I'm going to fix this thing. This is a cool thing I learned. Yeah. Great. And then you just put it in your back pocket. Like, oh, nice. Yeah. It's been enjoyable, but anybody that's doing any kind of housework or just uh, maybe feels like rifling through all of his tips and tricks, especially some of his speed square usage, the speed square still eludes me a little bit in terms of all the markings and measurements that you can use it for. Um, he has a series of videos and just every now and then he'll post something about using a speed square to do certain things. I just want to get better at all that. So, Carpentry nice. by Mar. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, good good shout. Uh, ordinarily, I would have brought his uh, stuff up and been looking through it whilst you were talking about him, but I didn't do that today, so I can't I can't comment on it. But yeah, it, sounds, right. it sounds like something that is would be interesting, so I will have to check out once uh, the links are there. Um, yeah. Uh, is there any other business from YouTube, gents? Yes. If you need a bit of distraction and you've had a rough week, there's a Facebook group called Images with a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so fucking weird. And I've just posted it into the chat. Um, yeah, it will be in the show. It's just lots of images with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> They're fucking great. Because I'm pretty sure you posted about it earlier in the week or last week or something. Because uh, it's definitely the second time I've seen that page. <laughs> and I just remember the first time scrolling through and going, what the fuck? Well, so some uh, of it is just strange photographs capturing strange scenarios where there's things going on that shouldn't be going on in the same scene. <laughs> and then some of it is just bonkers photoshopping. Yeah. Uh, just uh, imagination. And then some of it is just like weird, weird, creepy scenarios from the 70s and 80s. Where this is probably <laughs> what some creative person had in their head. Yeah. Um, but it's just mad. Yeah. 
Uh, no. Yeah, good shout on that one. It is um, so absurd. Yeah, it's upsetting. A lot of it is upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also have a little bit of um, uh, AOB, uh, and that is uh, bidding a fond farewell to the Makers International guys um, after what feels like about 50 years. Um, they finally decided to hang up their headphones. Um, and uh call it a day um so gents to everyone that's been involved in it throughout the years thank you all very much um it's always been fun getting to uh it's responsible for a lot of people getting to know one another yes community i was gonna say especially the uh the kind of the sunday night um live streams where you know everyone got to chat in the uh live chat whilst they were recording um that was always a a good thing um and kind of as a as a bonus, uh, because certain people in the group don't like change, uh, or sorry, in the the community don't like change, they decided that they were going to start a new podcast uh, to take up that Sunday night slot. Um, so that is Mr. Andy Pugh, who everyone loves, and Mr. Jamie Reader, who some people know. Um, and uh, they are now doing uh, what's what they're calling the Maker's Waffle. Um, on a Sunday night, uh, there is a a YouTube channel for that, which they will will put links in the shows. Um, but yeah, go go check out those guys. I've no idea what the actual format is going to be like, other than the fact that they're going to be doing it on live on YouTube and also putting it out as a audio podcast later in the week. Um, so yeah, basically cut and paste of Makers International, but with different hosts. So. Yeah, it should be good. Um, they are both wonderful gents, so I wish them the best of luck. Uh, yeah, that's it. So if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metaworks or on YouTube at The Forge. You can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13. And you can find Al at Al's Backshack. Al's actually going to do the tax return thing that he's been preaching about for weeks and he forgot and it's now the 31st of May. <laughs> <laughs> doing great bud yeah I, I have to do that as well um <laughs> yes everyone find us as a group uh fwt podcast or falls with tools in all of the places and that's it so until next week uh we love you we enjoy having you here and al's yawning bye bye